Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya basketball podcast. I'm Bobby Bancroft. It's been a couple weeks, and I'm back here with casual Hoya Andrew Geiger. Andrew, it's been a couple weeks. A lot's happened. A lot's not happening with Georgetown. But before we get to any of that stuff, Casual Hoya is known almost exclusively now as a food blog at times. We didn't talk since Thanksgiving. What was your Thanksgiving like? Did you host? Did you have a favorite dish? Do you make something? I got to know. I got to know the food. (laughs) Certainly a little late on the Thanksgiving talk. Um, But yes, we hosted here in New Orleans, uh, did the annual fried turkey. Uh, Same. The old oil fryer, um, which uh, came out well. Uh, always entertaining um, to have a vat of boiling oil. Someone actually, we, we did like a one of those ridiculous, lame Gen X Friendsgiving things too um, mm. that I was invited to. And um, someone actually made one in an oil-free fryer, which was intriguing, but it kind of lacked the juiciness that the, that the actual oil fryer uh, brought to the table. So um, the fried turkey is something I do every year. Also experimented with some crazy mac and cheese, you know, for the kids, um, three different types of cheeses. Uh, it was nice. It worked out, worked out really well. Um, but, you know, it's just ever since then, it's just been just a, a month long, you know, eating binge and drinking binge. Um, so actually been going to this, uh, this gym called Hotworks. You know, they're not paying for our sponsorship or anything for the podcast. But not currently. Not we don't not want yet. to eliminate not any yet. potential. Yes. Um, but they uh, they have these infrared saunas, which are really nice. So you go in there, you do your little workout, like a bike or a rowing thing, in like 15 minutes for a hit on the bike or uh, on the rowing machine, or like a 30-minute like hot yoga situation in the infrared sauna, um, and you come out feeling great. So um it's been nice to do the 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 sauna stuff along with the binge eating and really what i've been avoiding is watching college basketball which i think is what people are listening to us for yes well (laughs) well, perfect i can i can fill you in i'm in all the home games so Mm -hmm. georgetown just completed the non-conference portion of their schedule and they're five and six they just got you know they just lost by 19 at syracuse Kind of a cool game for a little bit. Did not continue to be a cool game. So Georgetown, after all the reshuffling, all the new players, all the new coaches, they somehow found a way to have a slightly worse non-conference record and performance than last season. And I'm kind of of two minds of that, of kind of of, okay, what'd you expect? But I'm also like, you know, this is the problem when you continue after what happened last season. So I should say, you haven't been watching as closely as you normally have. I know you're on Twitter. Um, you're kind of driving by. 
how did the non-conference go compared to what you thought or what you hoped would happen? Yeah, and look, obviously, I'm I'm tuning in. I'm watching. I've seen I've seen parts of of all of our games except the Syracuse game, which I missed because I was in New York City this past weekend and just sort of following it online as it happened. Um, you know, I noticed we were up like 17 to six at one point, and I was like, ah, interesting. And then, of course, when I checked again, we were you know down by 10, and I was like, oh, more yeah. insane. Um, but to, to answer your question, this season seems much worse than last season. Okay. Um, and the reason why is because this team has talent on the roster. Um, I think yeah. it's a, a huge talent upgrade from last year's squad, uh, top to bottom, really. Um, and unfortunately, we're only seeing the top uh, on the court, as you can call them the top even. But it just, it just seems like this team actually had some expectation. You know, the thought was you could possibly, you know, piece some wins together and maybe finish in the top half of, of the Big East. And um, from what we've seen so far in non-conference play, it's almost as if we're just trying to ward off like a second consecutive winless conference season, which is unimaginable. Yeah. Okay. I don't think they're going to go winless in the Big East, but. Sure. Give me the wins. Give, give me give me one single game that Georgetown will be favored in for the rest okay, of the way. Okay. Well, I think you've maybe, been reading my tweets. May, maybe the home game against Nepal. Yes. Maybe. I mean. Ken Palm basically just uses, or uh, Vegas, I'm sorry, just basically uses Ken Palm. And right now, Georgetown is set to be an underdog in all the games. And God, in two games, so they host Xavier on Friday. But then when they travel to Connecticut, right now, they're they're looking like it's going to be like a 24, 25-point underdog situation. Um, I want to go back Mm -hmm. real quick to what you said. Because I think, so living here and covering the Commanders, you know, it was like, oh, uh, Carson Wentz is better than Heineke. And it's like, we haven't really found that to be true. So what you said is something I think a lot of people say is that like it's a talent upgrade from last season. So real quick, so last season basically they're running out Harris, who just recently transferred, Aminu, Don Carey, um, either Caden Rice or Colin Holloway, and then Ego uh, Fa, and then the counters this year. So instead of Harris, it's Spears. Instead of uh, Aminu, it's Murray. Instead of Carey, it's Heath. Instead of, I guess, Holloway or um, or Rice, it's um, a cook. And then you've got Wahab instead of um, Ego Efe. I don't really know how much of a talent upgrade it is now that we've seen well, 11 games well, of it. You, you know what I mean? Yes. Well, the hindsight's twenty twenty, But right. you, you look at where all those guys transferred to and ended up. You know, you mentioned Beard. Beard went to Pacific. Um, whatever. The Ego Efe went to where some some directional school in california Cal baptist andrew yeah cal baptist rick croy good coach um you know all these guys went to lesser schools there's the eastern michigan someone went to Billingsley. Um, other than other than you know have you been following way, former hoya of the day or what i, I see your I see, I see the tweets but to be honest colin holloway is, is is the one guy that i pay attention to because he's here in new orleans with our our casual green wave is um, he hurt uh, I don't know. Why? The last couple of games, he hasn't been very Colin Holloway. I was wondering if he was hurt. Okay, go on. Sorry. Oh, okay. Um, but you know, the point is, you get you, you get high, you know, high D one talent coming in from, you know, with Murray from from LSU, obviously. Um, you know, Wahab. We know what we had with Wahab, so we thought that you know we we get some semblance of that back. Um, you know, Spears has been very good. Uh, it just there's just better talent 
I just don't know if it's a matter of like what you say, maybe they're not that good or they're just being so misused that it doesn't matter how good they actually are. Or, and this is another thing too, you know, I thought this at the end of JT3 when everyone had their pitchforks out, including, I believe, this blog that was always tweeting so-and-so should coach the Georgetown Hoyas, um, <laughs> is at that moment, I wanted to Ooh. bring JT3 back. What's that? Uh, maybe we should bring that back. But, you know, I remember thinking like, look, if, if they bring JT3 back, it's not, he can't fix this in one year. And even though when you look back and they had Govan and Derrickson and blah, blah, blah. But like, so if you, when you, when they made the decision to stand Pat with Pat, the problem is, is everyone expects like an immediate turnaround because it was just awful. No one liked it. It wasn't fun. Um, that's just from the outside looking in. Who knows what the inside was like, right? But I think no one, there's, there's definitely no patience. And I know no one likes hearing it, but it's like, look, you can't fix this in one season. You, you just can't. But I think that's where the bigger problem is, is that you mentioned Tyler Beard was at Pacific. He actually played more last year than highly touted freshman they have this year, Denver Anglin, right? So it's like Patrick is trying to win, like he keeps saying, by any means necessary, you know, and that that looks like what they're doing, but they just won 11 games, they're five and six, and there's no sort of development of the younger guys, right? Like Anglin barely plays, uh, Bass, I think has played like two or three times, Ryan Matumbo, I mean, there seems to be no development there, which... I think we're all hoping because he's a four star. His last name is Matumbo, you know, so I, no one wants to hear it. And I don't think I'm ever going to be accused of being like a, Oh, Bobby's the optimistic forward thinking, like just give patience. But I, I'm a little surprised of all the outrage after the Syracuse game. Cause it's like, I mean, what'd you expect? Well, because, and I, but I think a lot of that is because last year we were, you know, pretty bad too. But against Syracuse at home, that was actually like a nice win, right? We rose to the occasion. And, it was a nice you know, win. Up. It was the last win of the season. And the last win, right. So, you know, the thought is, at least you go into Syracuse, it's a high-profile game. We, we know at this point how to play against Syracuse and then to have them lose by 20 or whatever the hell it was. I mean, it's just, it's just embarrassing, you know, nationally televised. It just, it just, everything has just been horrible. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. We didn't even get to the point where, so obviously Georgetown did snap their losing streak when they, um, you know, survived Coppin State in the season opener in overtime. But Georgetown, as a lot of people brought up after they lost to Syracuse, have now lost 25 straight games to teams from the Power Six, which is the Power Five plus the Big East. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing to see here. You know, they've lost 20 straight Big East games going into Xavier. Their Ken Palm is 162. Their net is 244. Basically, they're kind of like a quad four game. Like, if you're in the Big East, it's not so much like, oh, I don't want to lose to Georgetown. It's like actually playing them is bad. Right. We were dragging down everyone's numbers, and a loss to Georgetown is, like, considered a bad loss that can keep you out of the tournament. Well, no, they, they've sort of blown past being like a bad loss. They're like they're they're even like a bad they're even a bad win right now. And, you know, 
their numbers yeah. will improve as they keep playing all of these all of these good teams. I mean, I mean, so before the season, okay, so they went five and six, like I said, a game worse than last year. I sort of thought they could almost pretty much. I thought we actually, I, th- I thought they'd be eight and three, and I thought we still might not know what they are because their schedule was weak. So let's say you know they the same results to Texas Tech and Syracuse. Maybe they don't lose by as much at Syracuse. That gets them to two losses. I figured they'd lose in Jamaica to Wake Forest. They never even got to that game. And then they win the rest. That gets you to eight and three, assuming you don't lose to American, who was this season's Dartmouth. Um, Seven and four seemed like the floor to me. Like seven and four, you kind of put your nose up and you say, okay, you know, they're gelling before Big East. It is what it is. It's all about trying to be respectable within the league. And they've underperformed what I thought was really possible. So I think you do a good job of understanding what the fan base, what the alums, what's going on. What's your sense of, it just seems like it's just the people that are left are really starting. Even even those people are sort of starting to jump the ship and sort of brag online about how they're not going to watch or they're going to DVR it, or they're going to go to their, you know, their kids uh, recital or, you know, that that seems to be the vibe I'm getting. Is that kind of what, what you're feeling? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've always said that, you know, it's one thing to have a, you know, a passionate fan base on both sides. When you're winning, you know, to have that passion is great. We've certainly experienced that um, as recently as when we won the biggest tournament. I mean, that was really fun. Um, on the other side, when you're losing, it's all it's nice to see that passion too because, um, you know, people are watching and if you're competitive and, you know, it doesn't work out as far as the result goes, that's one thing. But now what you're seeing is apathy which is the worst possible thing because people are just tuning out and they don't care anymore. Um, that's the kind of sense that I'm getting from the fan base, you know, on social media and whatnot. Um, there's just a, a, a certain toxicity to the program right now. Just, just, a, just a frustration, uh, just a general disgust with, with everything, just top to bottom about how things work there uh, and just the lack of accountability inside McDonough or inside the, you know, the Thompson center, it just, everything is just so bad that the, the coaching change that will ultimately happen, whether it's before the end of the season or certainly following the season. Uh, I, I, I don't even know if, if that's enough. I, I just think, think maybe more needs to happen. You know, the, the Ronnie Thompson, the, the whole Thompson thing just needs to go. I mean, it, everything just needs to be, Lift on its side, turned around, complete 180 from the way things are now, the way things they really should be, and it just and even then, that's the that's the really the only thing that's going to provide any sort of spark among the fan base to get people interested again. You know, um, get people interested, get new players, get a new system, just get just get everything has got to change because right now this level of toxicity is, is just bringing down everything related to the Georgetown program. I get tagged on Twitter a lot by these recruit Nicks who are saying that such and such a recruit in the class of whatever is being, you know, looked at by Georgetown or has an offer. Why would any recruit come here right now? It doesn't make any sense. You, you're, you, if you look at recruits that have come to Georgetown, highly regarded recruits, you, 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 you tapped on earlier with, Anglin and, and, you know, uh, even Jordan Riley last year, guys, four star kids that can't even see the court. And you think, okay, if they can't see the court, they must be playing well. There are people above them that are playing well. That's not the case. So, so how do you sell a program 
to recruits where they're not going to play. I mean, who knows what, what Ewing even promised those kids to get them here in the first place. Obviously, he reneged on whatever that was. And so it's just, you know, no one's coming. Everyone's got to go is the bottom line. Everyone did go last year, right? I mean, it's year mm-hmm. six, and I've been covering the team the whole time. And I feel like we've, we've heard more just maybe if there's slips or just sort of the way that he speaks. When I say, when I, when I say let me just clarify, when I say everyone's okay. got to go, I, I don't necessarily mean the players. Oh. I, I really mean okay. uh, just, just a, a fresh staff. Maybe crap. Honestly, like, I, I said this. I think that the best thing for the remainder of this season would be for Ewing to step aside. You know, Georgetown deals with the buyout situation on its own. I'm sure they have people that are willing to help. Okay. Ewing walks away, handing over the keys to Nickelberry and Crouch for the rest of the season. See what they can do, but it's it's on an interim basis, but it's totally interim. And then you know you conduct a a search to get the right guy in here. But Nickelberry does have, you know, he's an asset. I think. I mean, as a local recruiter, he certainly has um, benefit to the staff. Crouch, I think, is really good too. It, it's more so when I say everyone's got to go. It's it's the the Ewing. And the, the, the whole tie to the Thompsons, I don't even know what Ronnie Thompson's deal is. I don't even know how you even remotely approach getting rid of Ronnie Thompson. I don't know if that's a Jack DeJoy thing or, or what. But I, it, it, it's got, that, that has got to go. Not the players. I mean, the players are student athletes. It's not their fault. You know, I don't have anything against them at all. And I think, obviously, they're, they're, they're trying the best they can within a system that is certainly not – um, working to the best of their talent. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with that. I, I was just going to just say before you went a bunch of different ways, it's, it's yes. just that I think Ewing this season... I, I'm ha- digging and zagging. In the no problem. Season. I mean, that, that's the way that yeah. you're going to get open, right? You're not going to get open just <laughs> standing there, okay? I think Patrick has... I, I think he just still is of the NBA mindset. And I think that we're just... It just it's just really difficult to run a college program like it's the NBA and we're we're really seeing that going back to all the stuff you said about everyone needing to go how different does this feel to you than it did the last time there was a change or if you can remember all the way back to Estrick because I will say this I remember at the end of Estrick being like look and I was just out of college and I was you know I just got the season tickets and I was like look no more Thompsons no more of this and then they hired JT3 and I was kind of like oh god why 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 are they doing this and then I basically had the best fandom part of my adult life before um, I got out of the season ticket game and all that stuff. So it is really hard to know. Like, I was wrong, right? Like, I was wrong. I, you know, sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. So how different does this feel to you? The blog obviously existed during the last tire, but I know when Eshrick went away, you were obviously paying attention. So does it, how different does it feel? Yeah, I don't I mean, because JT3, you know, I guess when he was at Princeton, he was kind of an up-and-coming head coach. Yeah, that it kind of made it, it just made sense. Like Georgetown was the next step. Up. You know, it made it was just a perfect fit for yeah. him, right? I didn't sense there was this much like we got to get out of the the Thompson shadow. In fact, there really wasn't much of a Thompson shadow that we perceived it to be right now until after the JT three era, right? Like because yeah. there was only John Thompson. I didn't really think of Escherich as sort of a continuation of the Thompson wave, even though that's kind of what it was. I mean, he, he being his assistant, but it wasn't until after the JT three thing 
that this whole Thompson shadow became a thing, Ewing that higher, I mean, it's no secret he wasn't exactly like the pick of the fan base, but, you know, it brought a lot of good media attention. It was warm and fuzzy at the time. And he said most of the right things at that opening press conference that, that yeah. I believe you were at. Yeah. Um, and none of, none of that stuff came to fruition, right? I mean. <laughs> not yet. Not, well, I mean, he, he, the, the initial goal, I recall, he was going to bring on, you know, some local recruiter. That really never happened until Nickelberry. Right. Yeah, I think um, I think Nolan retweeted an old Woj tweet that was yeah. after Ewing had been hired that Ewing was establishing a high level staff, which ended up consisting yeah. of a JT3 holdover that just helped him get fired, an old JT3 right. assistant in Kirby, and then obviously Patrick brought in um, Louis Orr to help him as someone that had you right. know, been a head coach. Um, and then, you know, director of basketball operations was one of Ronnie's former assistants at Ball State, long relationship. And so, yeah, he didn't exactly get that high-level staff. And you could probably go back to that and be like, look, this guy came into college basketball cold, trusted, you know, people he wanted to trust, basically Big John, and giving him what he needed through Ronnie. And you could – I think you could make the case that they really kind of set Patrick up for failure. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they set him up for failure or... Well, by not by not giving him the best staff that you can get. I mean, who on the staff, you yeah. know, would have been... Re- uh, who 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 would have been retained and, you know, who would have hired certain people? There's certain people involved with Georgetown basketball that I don't think would really be involved with high major programs if it wasn't for Georgetown. So I don't think they're setting him up for, for success. He's not helping it well, either. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, a lot of it, you're saying they're setting him up, but it's not like he's doing anything... To, to fix it um sure, sure. you know I, I don't get the sense that he's like knocking down uh you know Leary's door jack DeJoy's door being like hey i need x y and z or you know we're going to be in trouble mm-hmm. um and it wasn't until you know the, the desperate times call for desperate measures moved this past off season to bring in uh nickelberry and, and get all those transfers in um at the end of the day we're in year six the product on the floor is this worse as it's ever been, I mean, at some point you got you got to look in the mirror. Um, yeah, you know, it's uh, what's that Taylor Swift song? I, you know, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. Whatever. I'm not <laughs> as versed on Taylor Swift as you think I might be. I think I wrote down here a couple positives before we get out of here. Things that I'm seeing from being at the games. Okay, <laughs> I wrote down two positives. The Georgetown bench seems to be very engaged and very into it. Like if you spend all your time on Twitter or if you go to certain Mm -hmm. message boards, you would think Mm -hmm. that like, you know, it's just everything is terrible. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure that there's guys that wish they were playing more. There's guys that the fans wish were playing more. And, you know, Ewan's playing his starters 38 minutes a game. But sometimes during the timeouts, like I'm like, hey, you know, just just watch what's going on. And the guys are into it, you know. And you mentioned earlier, like, you have nothing against the student-athletes. Like, they're there, they want to win, all that kind of stuff. And I think that's one of the things people, as everything's going poorly, do need to kind of remember. I I think the people that are saying that they're rooting against the team, if you're a fan, I mean, they don't get a top draft pick if they go 0-20 in the Big East, okay? No, no, but so so obviously, look, so so I I see that too, and I, I get what you're saying. Two things. Number one, anytime you're part of the part of a team, especially if you're a college kid, you're going to be rooting for your your fellow teammates. I mean, that 
if you're not and you've got, you know, if your body language is sulking and whatnot on the bench or yeah. you're just tuned out, then you shouldn't be on the team to begin with. Like but, Ryan Matumbo, who, you know, came yeah. in as a big recruit. He's Ryan Matumbo. I know. I've, he, I've he barely seen him plays, like doing but, dancing. I know. Yes. I've seen it. You know, so like there are things happening. I just feel like it's worth pointing out that, you know, as Georgetown continues to be the butt of the jokes of Goodman's and all the people pointing out all the things, um, it does seem like the team has not, they're not lost together, if that makes sense. Well, I think they're, they're supportive of one another. Yeah. Um, but I think, again, that's part of what happens when college kids are in a basketball team, just as it happens with six-year-olds in a basketball team. I'm not saying it's a high um, bar. I just want to point out some positives. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if, I think you are scraping the bottom of a barrel uh, to find positive. Um, I, I think, but to your, to your broader point um, about what you mentioned, fans rooting against, you know, the team to win. Yes, I agree with you that that, that shouldn't happen. I think what they're really saying is, though, that as the losses pile up, maybe that's the only thing that will get yeah. anyone to actually move, to move this program in the right direction. Yeah. Another... When do we get to talk about Patino? Can we talk about Patino or is that for next time? Yeah, yeah, let's go. Okay, so like <laughs> I said, the last time there was a coaching change, uh, the casual Hoya account was focusing on like, you know, so-and-so should coach the Hoyas, so-and-so should coach the Hoyas. I can't help but notice that all of a sudden the casual Hoya account outside of documenting lunches has become a very big uh, uh, interested party, I should say, in the Iona men's basketball program. Well, to me, to, to me, there's only one guy that can come in and turn this thing around quickly. You, you can, and, and that, and that's Rick Pitino. And it's, it's, it's no secret that um, it's a job that I think he'd, he'd be interested in. I think that he'd do very well in. I mean, he has Diggy's ties. He's played against George. He's coached against Georgetown. I mean, I think you know he's, he's coached Patrick Ewing. I mean, there's, there's, there, there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of positive signs. It's not like someone that uh, you, you'd be bringing in who has nothing to do with, with the Big East and nothing to do with Georgetown. It would be a tough sell. Obviously, the toughest sell is Patino's past, and, and ultimately the person that would be making any sort of decision would be Georgetown's president, uh, Jack DeJoya. And whether I think a positive – I think sorry. I think a ahead. positive there is, like, he already has a job since Louisville. You know what I mean? So I, I yeah. think – Yeah, well, and also – Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to say, and Patino's kids, you know, he's got children that went to the school. It's not like – you're, you're bringing in some, some mercenary. And to your point, yes, he's, he's done whatever penance, he's paid whatever penance he's needed to, to pay. The NCAA cleared him of whatever wrongdoing that was at Louisville. I mean, it, it's, it's time to move on. You know, George, a lot of these alums are like, oh, we, we can't allow someone like Rick Pitino to come to Georgetown. Really? <laughs> like, I, I don't know what, what hill you think Georgetown is, is on, where we're some sort of holier-than-thou you know, basketball program, but I have news that that's not the case. Um, yeah. You know, not, not to bring up things that have happened in the past, but it's not like our current coach is exempt from any wrongdoing. Okay. It's not like that no one, no one cared about that when, when, when he was hired. Um, and we can't really afford at this point to bring along sort of, in my opinion, a younger up and coming coach who you're looking at more of a four year, five year plan because, as I mentioned before, the, the level of the program right now, not just among our fan base, but on the national landscape, is so low that I think that would kill it. Um, you bring in someone like Patino, you have this thing turned around. I mean, Georgetown's probably looking at at least being competitive for a tournament bid within two years. 
Um, and that's, that's just what we need. It just makes too much sense, which is why Georgetown is absolutely not going to do it. Yeah, I would say that if the program stays on the current trajectory of, you know, excluding the incredible run of the Big East tournament, because, I mean, it goes back further, you know, than last year, if you decide... Mm-hmm. To for, you know, if you if you decide that what happened after COVID is a complete outlier, okay, which it obviously is, it, it's been in a bad spot basically since the exodus of all all those kids um, during that year and at the end when uh, McClung left. If, if Georgetown doesn't recover and this is the state that they're in when a coaching change does happen, I don't think they can just say, oh, we're going to get an assistant from you know UVA or so and so. I think that they if it's not if it's not Rick Patino who obviously would make a ton of sense. It would definitely have mm-hmm. to be someone that I think would come in to just get Georgetown back to being relevant again. And maybe a coach that's like Patino that's been there, done that. I'm not saying national championships, even someone, just someone experienced like, like Leonard Hamilton or like Mike Bray or yeah. just someone that can, that, someone that can <laughs> get you back to being legitimate quick i i don't think that they would be in the business of taking a chance on this really good coach at wafford or you know what i mean like it, it, it can't be someone like that i guess is all no all and you're right and that. but you know what they're gonna wait they're gonna end up with someone like Bray because they're gonna they're gonna be like oh patino is too controversial for this school we can't do mm-hmm. that um and bray you know with his background is gonna is it, it, you're you probably hit it right in the head he was probably someone that well, we know he was considered back when, when JT3 um, was fired. Uh, you know, he's done a decent job, I guess, in Notre Dame. I always see Notre Dame pulls off an upset every now and again, but they really haven't done anything. Um, They've been better yeah, in the ACC than they were in the Big East. Mm-hmm. He's been to two Elite Eights, right. and they, 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 they never won a Big East title. They never even got to the final, and he's won at least mm-hmm. one ACC tournament title. I'm not saying it's going to be my prayer. I'm just saying I think it has to be someone that an adult that, look, yeah. I can get you guys back. I, I, I really don't think that they can be like, let's hire the whiz kid out of so-and-so. I think that would be so risky because then you're looking at like a decade of just like, then you're like, you're literally DePaul. Yeah. Look, and, even and though Bray, DePaul you, brought in Oliver Purnell, who probably fits the profile of what I'm talking about. Well, I mean, Bray wouldn't be to me like a sexy pick, but at least he would get them playing real basketball. Again, you know, um, with uh, with depths and schemes on both ends of the floor, um, you know, for me, it, it's it's kind of again, Patino just makes too much sense. Um, but you know, when I think about when JT three was fired, we you had Shaka out there, you had Danny Hurley out there. You see where UConn is, you see where Marquette is. Yeah. Um, you know, last year could have had Sean Miller. Uh, you know, now. We, we just can't afford to, to swing and miss. Um, well, and, and I guess that's, I mean, obviously Villanova took a chance on a coach. He was part of their tree, their mm-hmm. coaching tree and everything. And he had, you know, yep. people were very, I mean, Georgetown fan base was high on him last year um, when it looked like the jobs that opened up might be the, the, you know, the reverse of what actually happened. But when you, when you do look around the big East, it's like, man, the league has got some pretty good coaches, <laughs> you know? You and know, Villanova's, we, Villanova's played much better since uh, Whitmore's been back, right? Oh, I mean, you yeah, can't put that all. Villanova's yeah. fine. Yeah, Villanova's fine. I know Creighton's, you know, been, been in a losing streak, but they're obviously leaps and bounds better than than we are, and they'll probably contend for the Big East title. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, we every single time we take the floor, we are at a coaching disadvantage, 
right? The, the coaches in the league are very good. <laughs> the coaches in the All Big right. East are well very couched. good. Okay, well couched. I respect it. You know, you know who's listening, so I respect it. Hopefully a couple people. <laughs> hopefully that people have stuck around for a little bit because it does seem as though, I mean, Andrew, the game threads, it, it's like 40 people posting. Like, I, I think well, there's a game. Well, there's a couple <laughs> things on that. Number one, I, I mean, I, I don't even, I, honestly, I, I'm so disgusted with anything that I, I, I don't even deal with that anymore. Number two, SB Nation to, has kind of made it more difficult to comment on it. I think it's, okay. it's, it's like logistically, it's just not not what it was. Um, but yeah, to your point, it's again, it's this apathy that's setting in. You know, it's like people don't even care anymore to even comment how bad we are because they just don't care. They're doing other things. You know, they're walking their dog around the block for two hours. You know, instead of watching a Georgetown game. Like, because when you know the outcome already, what's the point? I have two dogs, and when I walk them together, it makes me dislike dogs. So I, I would definitely not be walking them for two hours. Um, Another thing, and I don't know, maybe we'll see this differently, because I'm right there, and I've been part of the media. So the AP cut back their coverage a couple years ago. That just is what it is. It's not just Georgetown. They cut their coverage. They basically leave it to the bureaus, and we have a lot of things going on in D.C. So Georgetown's pretty low on the pecking order. Changed the way the college games got covered. So the AP report, unless it's a top 25 team, is coming out of a desk in Spokane. Now, why I'm saying that is because obviously it takes a little money out of my pocket. But at the same time, this is what I could see coming for a couple years now, and it's actually happening. The Washington Post is just, they're not coming. They're not coming to the games. The other day, uh, they wrote a column, which was basically just like checking in. And it was it was it was a really weird column. I, I get like the idea behind it, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like pitchforks. It was just sort of like, oh, this is too bad. But then they don't even cover the games. And Georgetown played at Syracuse. You know, I did a couple radio stuff in Syracuse. Um the Washington Post didn't write a preview. They didn't write a game story. They used the AP story, which I think it might have been on site for Syracuse. But that used to be what, in my mind, what separated Georgetown from George Mason and George Washington a lot. Like, they're kind of the same now. Like, not the same, but like, Georgetown is getting what the treatment that the other Georges used to get. And now they're getting it. When I started doing this, the Washington Post sent their reporters to every Georgetown game wherever they played on the planet. They don't send them to the game. They played an SEC school. They didn't come. They didn't come to the game. Yeah, no, I, so, look, I, I, mean, I get it. And, 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 but I think that goes to the general apathy too, right? I mean, ultimately they will cover uh, stories that people will click on. Yeah. And if they know that no one is going to click on a Georgetown basketball preview um, or post game or whatever it may be, uh, or some feature, you know, bashing the program's horrific uh, free tickets uh, promotion, um, then why bother? Why not devote resources elsewhere? And that's exactly what this fan base is doing. I could see it coming. You're like, oh, you're going to come to all the games. And, you know, they've sent Kareem Copeland, who has been the beat guy for a couple of years, but he has like the, the Georgetown beat's been like a thing where, you know, that reporter covers Maryland women who are very good. And Navy football, which is just ending right now, just ended. Um, and then Mystics. So it's not like a soul, you know, this is Georgetown. You just cover the heck out of it. But uh, the lack of coverage, the, the 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 little coverage that's been going on to me is just 
it's a wow. And maybe I'm just showing my age by thinking like, the, you know, the paper matters, the post matters. But I mean, I don't think that there's another school in the Big East that doesn't have like a daily paper in publication that covers the team full time, which is just You know what like, changes all that? You know what changes all that? Rick what's that? Patino. Rick okay. Patino. That's it. Uh, hire Patino, that changes. Two seconds. They have a press conference at in the Thompson Center, packed to the gills. You know, they'll say all the right things. They'll start bringing in some guys, and everyone will tune in, you know, uh, next season. Speaking of all the right things, did you pick a game to come down to? I know the schedule. I only have two more Saturday games the rest of the way. There's, like, that Sunday Providence game. Is there any going to be a casual extravaganza? I feel like this is the first, you know, knock on wood year where, you know, COVID's not a huge factor, hopefully. Um, is that something that we can look forward to, or you waiting until next season? <laughs> the, the Providence game remains an option. Um, okay. It's 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 weird. It's a Sunday game, so I don't yeah. know if we'll do something if if that ultimately happens. Maybe this Saturday night. Um, yeah, Saturday night. Then like more. you know, Providence yeah. game, and then fly home. Yeah, yeah, that's an option. I've also considered taking my nine-year-old to the Garden for the Johnny's game, which is on January 29th, also a Sunday. I guess it's the Sunday before, or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, a couple options. I mean. Again, it's not so much, you know, my, my nine-year-old wants to be in the garden for a game, and since Shortshan happens to be playing, uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but we'll see. Does he, does he get um, it yet? Because, like, my five-year-old, soon-to-be six-year-old, thinks that Georgetown wins every game they've ever played. Like, he, you know what I mean? Oh, like, he's, he, he's, I mean, it's absurd. He's like, hey, Dad, you know, we're pretty good, you know, when we're up 10 against or whoever, you know, and I'm like, just just wait. <laughs> you know, he, when he sees if we're like five and three, like, oh, we're, we're pretty good. We're five and three. And, you know, uh, it's just, you know, he doesn't really get okay. it when he sees like Georgetown's five and three and some other team might be five and three. And he's like, well, why aren't we ranked? I'm like, well, because we're terrible. You know, that, that kind of thing. My um, son lo- loves the fight song, loves the Hoya Saxa. Mm-hmm. We kind of gloss over yeah. the parts of the fight song where they talk about Yale and Navy and Holy Cross or whatever mm-hmm. other crap is in, is in that part of the fight song. Um, mm-hmm. But he is a big fan of Spin So Long. Some, you know, he's a huge fan. And he, we, our team, we, we, un, we, un, very unlucky, unfortunate. We got orange jerseys. And yeah. I was like, okay, kids, okay, you know, so what are we going to call ourselves? And we get like the ninjas and the dinosaurs. And he's just like, Georgetown. We're <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so Hoyas would be actually what you want to be called. We're kind of wearing orange, just doesn't really fit. Um, but so it, it is just kind of interesting to see it. And my daughter's obviously super well, young. But... Well, I, I, yeah. And I, and I will say that, um, you know, as I've obviously, you know, gotten older and now I have three kids and the kids yeah. are now becoming, coming into it. It would be nice to give the kids something to cheer about, <laughs> you know, like there's almost so much, there's only so much despair that, that they can take at, at this age. And, you know, they, they do follow it. I do, you know, I do watch games with, with them. Um, and, uh, you know, it would be nice to get some wins. Well, they have another chance. Um, do you want to give a Big East prediction? I mean, I know you said 0-20. Look, they're not going to go 0-20. Um, Ken really? Palm has them at 4-6. Really? and six- Yes, they're not. Ken Palm has them okay. at 4-16. Um, do you want to give a prediction? I will take the we- under on four. I will take the under on four wins. Okay, so you're going. Okay. When you look at their schedule... I honestly feel like if they were ever to get on any sort of a a role, like if you can somehow like say Ken Palm's got them 11 point dogs, 
if, if you can beat Xavier somehow, like you're not beating Connecticut, okay? But then you're at DePaul and Butler at home. Like, this is about as good of a setup as you could have, I think. I mean, a setup for what? <laughs> win a, a game or two. I mean, look, 0-4, 1-3 is obviously like the most likely record after these four games. But it's DePaul. And you've got Butler at home. I, I just feel what, like what, wait, a, hold on. What, what what are the next? What are the first three games in the Big East? Like I said, they host Xavier on Friday. Loss. Next. At Connecticut. Loss. Next. At DePaul. I mean, that's really the only one that is. And it's going to be. It's, they should lose. And then the home. Only one. And then home to Butler on January first, where I'm going to go from the Commanders game. And then make it to Capital One just in time. It's a great sports day if you like live events. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and by the way, that that UConn loss, that UConn game, is is one to look at because if that is like an embarrassing loss, like you said, we're we're twenty point dogs or something like that. Twenty four. If, if, if twenty four points. Absurd. That's absurd. If if that. If if we're actually like twenty four point dogs and lose and lose and don't cover that spread, I mean I, I think you 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 probably then say okay if you don't beat DePaul in that next game then change is happening. If if I were the AD that actually had some semblance of power and could actually make decisions at that school, that's what I would do. You have you have the Xavier game, okay, you're probably not expected to win that. Show up against UConn at least put a decent effort. If you get blown out at UConn and then suddenly you've got DePaul, who's the dorm, the traditional doormat of the conference and you lose that game, you're done. That's what I would do. But Hey, I just, you know, well, I think, I mean, generally I don't, here's what I would say about that is for someone like yourself, that's advocating like changes, sweeping changes within the basketball program. I think that Patrick leaving mid season makes it more likely that you don't get those changes because no, I, I disagree. I, I let's I think say, what, just, let me just play the scenario real quick. Yeah. Let's yeah. say Patrick steps down. I think there's no mm-hmm. chance of it, but let's say he does. Mm-hmm. Let's say Nickelberry finds a way to get to five biggest wins. You think the administration is going to give him the boot after that? I don't No, I, I think, well, <laughs> It's not about giving Nickelberry the boot. Well, if you put it, okay. The 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 point is, I mean, I mean, someone's got to coach the team. Okay, it's not like they're gonna they shouldn't bring in someone from the outside to, you know, to to steer the ship, you know, into the depths of the the abyss. I mean, just just give it to Nickelberry because he has coaching experience and he can handle it. Um, Whether or not Nickelberry does well, or whether or not Nickelberry decides to remain a Georgian after the season, I I don't really care. Um, but the, the point is, if, if Ewing were to, to step down during the season, what it does is it gives, gives people that are in the business more time to get on Georgetown's radar regarding whomever the next coach might be and gives them more time to actually make strides so that by the time the season actually ends, I mean, as you know, our, I mean, our season's ending that Wednesday in March. A lot of times you've got you teams will announce the new head coaches in place sometimes before the tournament starts, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, or you know during during the final four, so you, you don't have like a huge window. The sooner that this happens, the better 
as far as securing whomever the next person is going to be. Yeah, I think in this hypothetical situation, I, I do understand what you're saying, but I would be in this hypothetical um, suspect that <laughs> that this would give the current the current guys a chance to like you know you see it all the time in pro sports usually college sports you don't see a lot of midseason firings maybe like SEC or whatever or I guess this would be I think you were saying resignation whatever. Um, well, yeah, I feel like it, I feel like usually there's like an at, uptick. it happened in Auburn. It didn't happen in Auburn. Yeah, in, but in, I feel like usually the there's like a, there's like an uptick where like the guys come together and like they rally around and you know blah blah blah. Um, it happened in Maryland last year, and look at look at them. I mean, Turgeon had the, the sense to step down when he did. They got they brought in Willard, and now I mean you know I, I know they lost a couple in a row, whatever. But they're you know top twenty five team. They're right back in it. Two years. Oh, yeah. I mean, Willard came in, he'd you know, been successful, and then he realized that he needed to recruit the heck out of the DMV and uh-huh. got some guys that were good at recruiting the DMV. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. Um, my guy from Lake Brad's going there next year. It's going to really pain me to keep an eye on Maryland, but I'm going to have to. Um, That's great. But here's, but here's the point. <laughs> we already have, we already have like a Nickelberry, right? We already have a, a, a good recruiter in place. You bring in a head guy that actually knows what he's doing, and we're right where Maryland is two years from now. I'd sign up for that tomorrow. Well, I hope everyone signs up and subscribes to Kente Corner. Uh, that would really help. Uh, we'll try and get more episodes out. I am going to have a reporter, a beat reporter, someone actually follows Xavier all around the country um, to come on the pod and talk about how their coaching change is working out, going from Travis Steele to Sean Miller and uh, how the Musketeers are ahead of the Big East opener on Friday. Are you uh, are you good with this, Andrew? Sounds great to me. Uh, Hoya um, Saxa, Rick Pitino. I was gonna say, well, we, you can you can follow Casual Hoya for all of the Iona updates as the season progresses, as their time in the <laughs> MAC, I believe it is, right? The M A A C. But uh, he's Casual Hoya. I'm Matt Bobby Bancroft. We probably talked too long again, but this is what we do. Later.